Welcome to The Coaching Question. This is a podcast for people who want to know more about coaching, how to commission it, when to use it, and really what's it all about. Join me, Gregor Finlay, and my colleague, Sarah Turner, two executive coaches for an honest conversation. And the conversation this time around was with your good friend, uh, John Anderson, about enhancing performance through coaching. I wasn't able to attend the interview, but I wish I had been because maybe maybe it should have been because it would have been two Scots. <laughs> I'm not sure our listeners would have been able to take both of you with your strong Scottish accents. <laughs> well, we probably would have got more Scottish as we went through. Probably, and, what... and faster as well with the speed of your speech. But it was brilliant that you were able to get John on because I think people will be amazed as he's essentially won us medal upon medal at the Olympics. And what is really brilliant about the performance coaching model he's talking about is it's built on years of experience of going from the Olympics in Atlanta, which is a a dire performance in the medals table, to fantastic performances in the medal table. Absolutely. And, and he just shares some brilliant stories about his time there and, and what he learned and how he's taken all of that and uh, created this fantastic performance coaching model, which is what we talk about in the podcast. And I think he, he brought out a few things that I would like to quickly comment on. One of the things I think is often ignored and he brings through is that your performance is really dependent on the environment. And quite often leaders will neglect the environment they're creating for their people. Absolutely. So he talks about, you, you know, you've got your basic talent and then you've got the environment that we put around it. And, and he talks a little bit about, as leaders, what we create in terms of that environment. Um, and I think that's particularly relevant at the moment with the impact of coronavirus and dispersed teams and people working from home month after month. Hugely. I, I think it, with COVID, it is a massive thing. It was a really good example of the... Uh, what makes a really good crossover from the world of sport into the world of business Mm. is exactly the same thing applies. The same with goal setting. He talked about something I never thought of before, but it's it's obvious now, and talking about accessing right-brain thinking Mm -hmm. for goal setting. I never thought about it in terms of brain dominance, but Mm -hmm. clearly it's about creativity and visualisation. That's clearly a right-brain thing, not a left-brain thing. Yeah, and he talks about, and so the ruthless compassion is about being more courageous and moving you out of your comfort zone. So again, it's it's moving away from perhaps that more logical, smart goal setting into this ruthless, courageous stretch zone. I love that phrase, ruthless compassion. Mm. I thought that was a really good phrase to have. It's something to steal, definitely. (laughs) And the, the other thing that, again, seems so obvious now is this distinction between motivation and commitment. Because we talk about motivation quite a lot. Uh And he talks, you know, enthusiasm. So I looked up the dictionary definition. So enthusiasm for doing something, the need or reason to do something. And we'll talk about that in terms of engaging and the motivation. It says commitment is something different. I mean, that's a promise or firm decision to do something or the fact of promising something. And he differentiates, and again, you and I would know about this, but he differentiates between intrinsic motivation. So that's the what's in it for me. Why should I do something? And obviously the extrinsic motivation and and talks about how motivation can wax and wane. And he describes commitment as what makes the difference. 
So I think we should just let our listeners listen to your conversation with John. Yeah, enjoy. So today I'm really excited to be joined by John Anderson, who is a good friend of mine. We're coaching colleagues. And John has a bit of a different background to me in that his experience and what's brought him to coaching, working in high performance sport. So John, just tell us a little bit about, well, first of all, welcome. (laughs) And tell us a little bit about your high performance sport background, because I think our listeners might be a bit interested to hear, and particularly you've got an MBE. So I'd love to, to share a little bit about that. Okay. Yeah, Sarah, good morning. And yeah, very pleased be having this conversation this morning. And uh, yeah, in terms of background, a lifetime sort of playing sport, enjoying sport, coaching sport, that really brought me to my love of sort of kayaking, led to me competing for Great Britain, and then coaching. And so coaching has been that passion for me, helping people sort of unlock their unlock the talent and and really develop their full potential. And uh, I was very fortunate. The MBE came from some recognition along that way. And I put that down to just the incredibly talented people that, that I was working with and just how inspirational they were. You know, I did seven Olympic cycles, either as wow. a coach or a performance director with Team GB. And yeah, what an amazing kind of journey and experience it was. It sounds absolutely incredible. And of course, it's a real privilege to have you join us here today on our podcast. And we're going to be looking today at coaching through a slightly different lens and looking at how we can enhance performance through coaching. And you've developed a performance coaching model, haven't you? And and that's really what we wanted to, to talk a little bit around today. And I know that you've drawn on your experience of working in high performance sport. So could you just tell us a little bit about the background to creating this performance coaching model and why you developed it? Yeah, thanks, Sarah. When I started out uh, coaching, we had some incredibly talented athletes in the UK. But actually, over a period of about 60 years, not that I was there the whole 60 years, uh, Great Britain had gone to the Olympic Games every four years and we hadn't actually won a medal. And that was down to a lot of things. But when I started coaching, I really started looking at how we could do more, how we could do better at really supporting our talented athletes who were putting their their whole lives into it and really had aspirations. And so the kind of the model, the the start of the model came from that really in terms of sort of really defining the purpose and what we were about in the Olympic program that I was working in at the time. And I think back to the Atlanta Olympics in 1996, Team GB, we came back with one gold medal and we were 37th on the Olympic medal table. That was a pretty low ebb for Team GB. And, and so this model really came out of, of that kind of time where it was a time to really be thinking and acting differently and just looking at everything we did in performance and just how could we you know, support our talented athletes to really move on and raise the bar in terms of performance. And you describe performance coaching as supporting the performer to get better at doing the things they need to do to get the results they want to achieve more frequently and consistently. So when I was thinking about this in preparation for today's podcast, I was thinking about it because it it sounds to me as if it's about going from good to great as opposed to sort of tackling poor performance. Is is that right? I suppose my background is in high performance sport. And again, I've been privileged and very fortunate to work with some really talented individuals. But Sarah, talent alone is not enough in any environment. High performance sport, high performance business, 
you, you have to start with a basis of talent. And then it's about how you nurture that talent, how you develop that talent, how you support that talent. That's what makes the difference. So yes, this is a model that is focused on taking talented individuals from where they are and helping them through evidence-based coaching to continually step up and heading in the direction that they've decided they want to head in. Okay. And so there's something in what you're saying there, which is around that environment or the context, as well as the talented individual themselves. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, my experience performance in any environment, you know, to really get high performance in sport, in business, there has to be the basic talent that I've just, that I've just shared. And then what's really important is the environment we put around it. And this model in particular really focuses on the environment. And, and actually, you know, as leaders, what we create around our talented people, what we develop and, and how we nurture them and help them unlock their potential. Yeah. And actually, in, in your model, you present these five performance parameters that you've drawn from the world of sport. And actually in there, you've got that you've got technical, which is the skills, tactical strategy, psychological and context. And that kind of speaks to what you've just been saying, because I think that so often in organisations in particular, we tend to focus on the talented individual themselves. Have they got the knowledge? Have they got the skills? Have they got the abilities or the experience to go and do this next role? But actually that misses out those important elements of that physical, which you describe as well-being and lifestyle psychological, the emotional side of things, and then that context or that environment. Is that right? Absolutely. I think you've come on something that's really important because my experience as an athlete in the Great Britain team and initial steps of coaching was that we were doing the technical, the tactical, and the physical really well as any other athletes on on, on the world circuit. It was the other areas of performance, the other areas of the parameters that, that you've just mentioned that we were doing less well. So by really focusing on the well-being, the lifestyle. And so when I took over as a performance director, employing a full-time lifestyle consultant, because what actually mattered with young athletes was that you helped support them at the end of the training day. You didn't just leave them to the kind of own devices. And then as we know as coaches, Sarah, the psychological elements of, of, of an individual's performance are just so important. And when an athlete is on that start line or when a senior business executive is in that really important meeting, it will absolutely come down to the psychology in the moment, how they're managing their own emotions and, and getting the best from themselves. So I fundamentally believe that everybody that lines up in the Olympic final, so that if there are 10 women in an Olympic final, I believe that tactically and technically and physically, they're all in the same shape, the same position. What it actually comes down to on the day is their psychological training, preparation approach. That's to me what makes the kind of the Olympic champion stand out in that final. And I love that because it, it just, it really captures all of those really important elements. And you've got the third layer of the model, which is the focus of your performance coaching workshop and the coaching tools that you offer. I mean, rather than going through the different elements of that, because we can actually share some details in the show notes about your model. Could you perhaps walk our listeners through an example of how you might use some of the coaching tools that you've created with a client? 
Yeah, looking at that third layer, I mean, I think it's important that with any client, any situation, and I would do exactly the same, I was working with an Olympic athlete, is to start at the center, to start with a purpose here. Why are they doing what they're doing? And to make that, you know, really clear and then build on that and use the evidence base. So the second area that you've just mentioned, the technical and the physical and the psychological, that builds the evidence of where they are. And then getting into detail in the next layer, I mean, if I particularly look at at one area, the what it takes to win model, which absolutely comes from high performance sport. And that's really all about, if I take that to the business world and a business client I've been working with recently, that's all about sitting with a client and getting them to benchmark where they are now in terms of their organization, their company, and where they are now against the the opposition, the best in the world. And that's what we do in sport. And, And knowing absolutely where you are, evidence base allows you then without what it takes to win model is to really identify what it is you need to do to raise your game to actually move forward in performance terms and then you need to go into you know a planning cycle and and what resources do you need and it's a it's a different mindset to to look at what does it take to win and that was one of the biggest factors that we changed sort of 20 years ago in, in Team GB. And it brought great dividends in terms of the results that the athletes achieved. What did you learn? So back at, back 20 years ago, when you thought about what you needed to, to do to win, what were your biggest learnings? Can you recall? I think it's gathering that evidence base. We're talking about the what it takes to win model. If we look at uh, women's 100 meter sprinting, what does it take for a woman to win the 100 meter sprinting in, in terms of the parameters, the technical, the tactical, the physical, and then measuring the particular ath- athlete against that and then seeing where they are. And it's just it just needs to be really open and really honest. Whatever the gap is, that's where you need to focus. So this is about focusing on those aspects of performance that you need to work on to actually deliver a high performance. And then how you go about that is is within other elements of this of this model. So it is about the process. It is about the process of performance and the process of high performance. And it's step by step. We talk about marginal gains because if you identify someone that's perhaps as much as a second doesn't sound much, but it is in sporting terms, <laughs> a second off the Olympic final, then you need to break that down and you need to work on these parameters and work out how you're going to make up that second. And actually, thinking about young athletes, that could be a 10-year program to work on that. And you would work at, you would work on different elements of the model, more or less, at different times as well. And and what I like about that is it's being really laser focused on what it is that you need to improve. So that gap, as you talked about, is what is it about that gap that I need to personally be working on? Yeah, absolutely. And then take it to business. It is, if we use the what it takes to win model in business, it's actually sitting with your client. And I've done this fairly recently and getting them to focus on, so what is going to make the biggest difference to their organization, to their company, to their product, and where are they going to focus their attention? And you've just said it, it's laser detail. And, and, and what are the margins that they can gain there? A big thing that comes out of that, because I'm fortunate I'm still working with many successful individuals in business and they are already performing to you know a high level, but we're talking about actually taking it even higher. Because for me, the, the best measure of long-term success is not how good you are today, it's how quickly you learn and adapt. And then if we look at ourselves in the middle of this global pandemic, now more than ever, we need to be learning, we need to be adapting 
and we need to continually be actually moving forward. And just building on that, I'm, I'm thinking about, because I know you also do team coaching. And obviously, when you were working in the world of sport, you would have worked with teams as well as with individuals. Is that right? Yeah, ab- absolutely. So I think the model lends itself to working with teams uh, equally as it does with individuals. And certainly in a, in a sporting environment, this model or elements of this model helped, for example, the GB women's hockey team achieve that outstanding gold medal in Rio 2016. And then you can switch that to business and, and sort of thinking about teams have recently been working in business using elements of the model to improve the performance of individuals and then collectively the team. And because that's what I suppose I was thinking about as you were talking there about what it takes to win and thinking about organizations, you know, potentially you've got teams or executive teams or leadership teams. And obviously we're recording this as we're currently in our second lockdown in the UK. And when this episode comes out live, it'll be the new year. And so who knows where we'll be at that point. But irrespective, we're still going to be emerging, hopefully, in some way, shape and form and dealing with this current crisis. And I suppose I'm just thinking a little bit for organ- from an organisational perspective, as we're emerging, coming out of survival mode, how this model could help organisations to reevaluate, to to adjust, to adapt and to become high performing organisations. Yeah, no, I I, thank you uh, for that, Sarah, because the first lockdown kind of started back in March 2020 and we find ourselves in the second lockdown. Who knows what's going to happen in 2021? We absolutely, as coaches, need to be helping business leaders move out of that kind of sense of survival back towards delivering high performance for themselves for the teams and for their organizations. So we look at this model in particular and a couple of areas that I've been using recently within this context, it's it's been helping senior leaders reimagine what the future of their organization is going to be. And particular tools within this model that are helpful for that, there's one, there's a couple, but one in particular within the performance planning in that third layer is it's called the Unique Edge Super Strengths Coaching Tool. And that's that's sitting with you know an individual leader and identifying either for them or their organization, what is their unique edge? What sets them out from the crowd? What's really figural for them? And then how can we work together and get them to leverage even more out of that unique edge, that super strength? And, and so it is focusing on strengths because quite often in coaching, we find ourselves in a situation where we're working on sort of development areas and and that can be purposeful and helpful. But there's another way of approaching that. There is a different mindset um, using this model whereby you just really maximize everything you can get from your strength and raise performance that way. And then I think another area, particularly thinking about the pandemic and and helping people who may be struggling with commitment and motivation is the goal setting area. And there's a different approach to goal setting. And, And if we think as coaches about maybe the traditional goal setting methods, which have stood the test of time. And we think of models like the SMART acronym for goal setting, specific and measurable, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, helpful. And at the same time, bit of neuroscience that is accessing left brain thinking. So it's very logical, it's very analytical, and that gets you so far. 
With the goal setting that we use in this model, we work on getting the individual to access right brain thinking. So to be more creative, we use visualization techniques. We get them to take it to the level of feelings and bring out a higher level of inspiration. And in doing so, they're able to be more courageous. I think that's a really important aspect, to be more courageous and perhaps to move out of their comfort zone where they might have been and 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 to challenge themselves. And, you know, as a coach, there's, there's a term I think about in this area, that's ruthless compassion. As a coach, to seemingly contradictory terms, the, the ruthlessness of the warrior and, and the compassion, which I'm sure as coaches, we can all bring into our coaching as well. But critically... This is a direct form of coaching using this goal setting. It's not directive. Ownership and responsibility is always with the individual we're coaching. And what I really like about this is it, as you say, it speaks to the what's in it for me. Why does this really matter to me? And using that to kind of drive and create that intrinsic motivation. Yeah, for sure. Intrinsic motivation. We do things because we love to do it. We like to do it and and helping people focus on that rather than I must do it or I should do it, which tends to be extrinsic motivation. But commitment, I think commitment is is actually more powerful. We could talk about this for the rest of the day from a psychological (laughs) point of view. Motivation is helpful and it can wax and wane and it can be quite short-lived. It's commitment that makes the difference, Sarah. Mm-hmm. It's com- because commitment is about setting a plan and working out how you're going to deliver on the plan and, and sticking to it. So the commitment screen that you can see here in the model, I think is a really great tool for working with individuals. And particularly now, yeah. we find ourselves in this pandemic situation where perhaps people's motivation is waning some, somewhat because there's so much uncertainty around. So let's focus on their commitment and really identify where they are and and how we can help them be really clear on the commitment and set out a plan and, and, and put that in stages and then work towards it. And what I really like about the performance commitment screen is there's this element around what are the challenges that you might face. So that's almost a bit like, is it a pre-mortem, that, that idea that you go to the end and you turn around and say, if this doesn't go right, what are the things that are likely to have got in the way that mean it hasn't gone right? And so we're almost identifying what those problems might be right at the start and developing an action plan for overcoming them. Yeah, we would, in, in Team GB, we were pretty skillful at that, Sarah. We called that the, the what-if scenarios. And, and we used to, as team leaders, go off for a kind of a two-day lockdown and think about all, all the what-if scenarios and how we were going to manage them. And that was about developing a mindset as well, because there was always going to be something that came up that you hadn't actually thought about. You could super prepare yourself for that. And again, it's about adaptability, isn't it? You're not going to be able to have a plan for everything. So you need to be flexible and you need to be adaptable. And you need to respond to things that are happening in the moment as well. And I think more than ever, the current situation and all the uncertainty that's happening in the world and that we're all experiencing and that looks like it's going to continue. I can see that for an organisation, if you've got a leadership team coming together and looking at their plans or their strategy to spend some time really thinking about this is only going to serve them well. Yeah. And this is this actually, as you said, right at the beginning is looking at it through a different lens. I mean, this is tried and tested over a, certainly a 20-year period with many uh, of the sports in Team GB that went from that Atlanta, 37th on the medal table, to Rio, second on the Olympic medal table. 
67 medals, second on the Paralympic medal table, 147 medals. Absolutely incredible journey. And utilizing the elements that we're talking about in this model is how each of the sports went about that. That's absolutely incredible. And in terms of using this within organizations, obviously you use it in organizations. I can see how valuable it would be in organizations. I guess I'm just interested because I know you you do this as a workshop and then there's also these different elements that the coaching tool, so as you've just taken us through a couple of those. For our listeners, if people want to find out more or to learn more about this model, where, where can they go? I mean, obviously, we'll, we'll share, happy to share the kind of the, the, the framework of the model, that top level, as a resource from this podcast. I should say at this point that quite a few of the coaching tools that you see in that third layer, my colleague, Greg Baker, who's a head coach of a Paralympic sport, Greg has actually been instrumental in actually developing a few of these tools because he's kind of out there still on the front line of Paralympic sport. And Greg and I have delivered the performance coaching model face-to-face with global organizations before the lockdown. And we've recently delivered it online over over a two-day you know, period to an, a number of delegates. And we're looking to do that again in January. So watch out for that link in okay. sort of January, February. We, we'll do that again. And then we live in hope, Sarah, that into the spring we'll be sufficiently further forward, either a vaccine or whatever for, for the COVID that we might be able to get back face to face. And we'll be looking to run it out for individuals and organizations. We can share details with this podcast as well, how to get in touch and be great to hear from anyone who's interested. Now, that'd be wonderful. And I, and I guess also I'm interested just personally as a coach, some of the tools that you've talked about, I can see being very useful in my practice. And if we've got any coaches listening who are thinking, oh, they quite like to use that or get access to that. I mean, do you operate on a sort of licensing model or how do people potentially get in touch with you around that? Yeah, no, great question. The program that we will be running Jan Feb will be specifically aimed at coaches. So that answers that question. So if, if an independent individual coach really wants to upskill in this, come on that program and we'll take you through the whole process, introduce you practically to three or four of the main models that we've been discussing this morning and how to go about that process and share the resources with you. So that's what we'll do. Great. And, and, and then I think the other use of it is to go into organizations and work with individuals and teams in organizations. So it could be coaches, could be internal coaches in an organization. Perhaps an organization really wants to develop a performance coaching culture. This would work really well. Yeah, I can see um, that. In that type of situation. And myself and Greg would be, you know, very keen to talk to anyone who, who wanted to, you know, discuss that further. That sounds absolutely brilliant. And I think just to reiterate the point we made before around organisations emerging from this COVID crisis and really needing to engage everybody and driving that high performance, I can just see just how valuable this model and these these tools could be. So thank you so much, John, for sharing it with us today. I think it looks brilliant. And as I say, super, super privileged to have you with us. And thank you so much for your time and for taking us through this model. Thanks, Sarah. It's been great uh, to chat, great to share. Could have gone on for hours, but I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm mindful we don't have hours. But yeah, there's a lot in it and it really can pay some quite massive dividends for, for individuals that, 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 that want to embrace it. So thank you. Brilliant. Thanks so much.
Thank you for taking the time to listen to this show. We appreciate any feedback and we're keen to respond to any questions that are out there about using and implementing coaching in organisations. So please email us on info at thecoachingquestion.com. There are more details of what was discussed in the show notes. And please do give us a rating on iTunes or your preferred podcasting or video platform. It really helps us spread the word to a wider audience. Thank you and bye-bye. Thank you.